For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. And away we go with episode 235 of the Sports Jack podcast. You mean the Ben Ogilvy episode? Ah, uh, Benjamin Ogilvy. Oh, uh, good old Ben Ogilvy, the Panamanian left fielder. Played for the Red Sox, the Tigers, and most notably the Milwaukee Brewers. He hit 235 home runs in his big league career. Gentle Ben, he's Ben Ogilvy. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! You know, there's been a couple of uh, sports fun facts before we really jump into this episode that I've learned this week that I'd never heard before. One thanks to you this morning. Actor Mark Harmon was a quarterback where? UCLA. I did not know that. His Pretty father, cool. Tom, was a star at the University of Michigan. Mark... Went out, played at UCLA. That's where he got around the Hollywood types, got the acting bug, and has had a pretty successful career seeing how he's been on NCIS since 2003. Yeah. And then the other one uh, I learned just this week, Conway Twitty offered a uh, position with the Phillies, uh, but instead he went into the military. Hello, darling. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Chuck, let's start with Notre Dame football 10 days away. Does it feel like it to you? Um, Not really. The, no. The, you know, when you live in South Bend, there is a charge in the air, and I think because of lack of fans being able to attend, it's kind of like, eh. The city lacks that buzz. Boy, I feel, I feel very badly for the hotel operators, the restaurateurs. They are going to take a hit this football season with the ticketing rules that are in, where it's basically Notre Dame students, faculty, and staff who are allowed to go to the games. But here we are 10 days away from the season, and Brian Kelly held a Zoom conference with the media yesterday. I thought this, of all the Zoom conferences that have been held so far, I thought this one spewed the most information out. Uh, so let's start with, him just talking about his team and 
the distractions that they are facing in this season. And one of the things that he pointed out was his biggest concern right now is the mental, not the mental health of his team, but the mental focus of his team. Uh, probably our mental preparation is probably the biggest concern for me. You know, there's so many distractions going on and, you know, dealing with COVID, dealing with, uh, you know, the troubles that are out in our country today that have really kept our players, you know, preoccupied in some senses. So getting them focused on football, obviously classes today, you know, are back in session from a uh, in-person sense. And, and so, you know, there's been a lot of distractions for our guys to deal with. And they've done a tremendous job of, of handling all of these things. I, I would say more than anything else is just continue to be able to put those things aside so when they get on the football field, they can focus on their craft, work on the things that they need to to be better football players every day. And, and so if I was to say one thing in particular, it wouldn't necessarily be performing a particular uh, stunt or, you know, tackling. Uh, that's going to come. I think it's the mental performance piece and, and really doing a good job of, um, you know, controlling their thoughts, really doing a good job of building a strong mindset every single day as it relates to, um, you know, playing this game. And I think you do have to understand it's going to be a lot different running into that stadium. Obviously, COVID now has limited the crowd to 20% of capacity. So it's not going to be the same as going into a, a stadium of 80,000 people who are charged up for the opener. The people who are there will make as much noise as they can, but it's not going to be 80,000. The sound of 80,000, too, the, the science of it, the way the sound, uh, yeah, if they're going to be playing music and announcements and whatnot over the the. Sp- the PA speaker, it will sound different to them. Yes. Because the bodies soak up that sound. It could be quite a, it could be a distraction. Absolutely. And then, of course, with everything going on in the country with social justice right now and a lot of the players trying to become more actively involved in that, that's a distraction. And Kelly really, as you heard, wants them to be able to focus on their craft when they're on the football field. Wants football to be an escape for these guys and, and to be the fun sport that it was meant to be when they first started playing it. Now, in order to have fun, you have to have success. The, the ingredients are there for Notre Dame to have success this year. You've got a veteran quarterback coming back in Ian Book. Three-year starter, knows the offense as well as anybody, and other than the fact that he hasn't been able to win the big game yet, has done pretty well at Notre Dame. The backfield has been a question mark going into the year. Who would be the the running back for the Irish this year? Would it be more by committee than anything else? And Kelly answered that question yesterday too. Kyron Williams has really emerged, you know, as as somebody that uh, we feel right now as has gained an advantage as as the top back uh, right now. And now he's going to, you know, require obviously some assistance at that position from a number of other guys. We're not going to just feature one back. But, you know, Kyron's done a great job. Really like the way Sebo Flemitzer has come on in the last uh, 10 days. Runs hard, runs low to the ground, has shown a really great learning curve as it it relates to protections and pass pro. Chris Tyree's been electric. He's been tougher than we than than is advertised uh he's run physical for us as well it will be interesting to see if kyron williams can be that explosive kind of back and as 
Brian also talked about Chris Tyree being tougher than a lot of people thought he would be. I think he's going to see some action. The one thing that I noticed is when he did talk about the running backs, Jafar Armstrong was way down the list. And I don't know if the injuries that he has suffered at Notre Dame have have hurt him in terms of his ability to be an explosive player that we've expected. Uh, but I did notice that he didn't get mentioned for a while yesterday. Now, Kelly did say he had a good scrimmage last weekend. We'll see. Uh, the wideout situation seems to have taken care of itself. The injury to Kevin Austin, the boundary receiver position hurts, but they've got the grad transfer from Northwestern, Ben Skrownick. They've also got Javon McKinley to put there. I think Braden Lindsay is pretty much your burner that you put at what's called the field position, which gets more space to operate in. You run him on those fly routes. Pretty good battle between Lawrence Keyes and Avery Davis for the slot receiver position. And they have some exciting freshmen coming in. I think this Jordan Johnson kid will be a one to keep an eye on. Lots of tight ends. The offensive line could be as good as any in the nation. You've got guys like Liam Eikenberg and Robert Hainsey at the tackles uh, who have been terrific the last couple of years. Aaron Banks needs to be a little bit more consistent at guard, but they've got everybody coming back on the offensive line. The offense should not be a problem. Defensively, the thing that Brian Kelly really, this was the comment that probably got my attention the most yesterday was when Brian Kelly was asked about the speed of his defense and the team speed in general. There are times where you can see it on display. I mean, it we close uh, and we arrive at, at the point of contact with a, with a different sound. Yeah. Um, so look, we're going against each other. So sometimes for me, you know, I'm in a different position, right? I, I want both the offense and defense to do well at the same time. But there are there are times out there where I look at it and go, "That's that's very impressive." So there is speed on this defense. There is uh, the ability for some some collisions that. Um, are really uh, impressive. So uh, we're, we're going to have to do that, you know, obviously play in and play out against some some very, very good competition. And we'll see how that, you know, measures up to some really good teams in the ACC. And there is something to the sound of a hit. I mean, when you're at a game, whether even if it's a high school game, and you can hear the hit. Now, of course, when you can hear it when there's 80,000 around, you know it's a really good hit. But when you can hear the hits like you're going to hear this year, it does make a different sound at a higher speed. And I think that's something that excites Brian Kelly and excites it would excite me as a fan if I were going and hearing that kind of pop. Now, the fact of the matter is the Irish have to get some decent pass rush out of people. Uh, can they get that out of Okandeji at the strong side end and Dalen Hayes at the other end? Last year, Okandeji came on pretty well. Dalen Hayes kind of had a struggle last year, and he's one of those players that I would worry about his focus because he's been very active in the social justice movement. Can he focus on what he needs to on the field to get done what he needs to get done? Uh, the nose tackles, you've got Heinish and Myron Tagavaloa, Mosa coming back. Those are strong players in the middle there. They should be able to help stop the run somewhat. Linebacker, the they've got depth there. 
The question is, do they have a star? They certainly do at the rover position in Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Corey, I love watching this kid play. He is all over the field, and he gets to ball carriers and receivers with a purpose. He gets there in a hurry and in a bad mood. He is fun to watch. And then the secondary is a bit of a question mark this year from the standpoint at the cornerback position. They're going to have to have some young guys step up. Uh, Tariq Bracey and Nick McLeod look like the starters right now, but after that, uh, I don't know how much you can count on Sean Crawford. He's been injured so much in his career. And that's a lot of sophomores and freshmen people haven't heard of before who will be stepping into those roles. So that's a little bit of a preview. I thought Kelly uh, yesterday did a really good job of kind of laying out the positions uh, where he expected people to play and, and kind of give you the best idea we've had yet of his thoughts about this 2020 team. What have you heard about NBC broadcasts? Is there going to be a change? There Are there personnel movements? What are you hearing? Yeah, because they have taken Doug Flutie out of the booth with Mike Tirico and put in the former Colts coach, Tony Dungy. Uh, this seems to be, based on the comments that I have received on Facebook and Twitter from people, this seems to be a very popular move with Irish Nation, which never warmed to Doug Flutie, Boston College grad, calling Notre Dame games. Now, Tony Dungy does not have any connection to the University of Notre Dame, but I think Tony Dungy is a fairly beloved figure in this state for what he did with the Indianapolis Colts. I think people see him as a godly man. Uh, they enjoy his analysis of NFL football, and it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to the college game because the college game is not the NFL, but you have a lot of players here who will matriculate to the NFL. So what kind of analysis will Tony Dungy be able to give? And of course, he's working with the consummate pro in Mike Tirico, who will be terrific for him to work with. Catherine Tappan will be doing the sidelines again. So we'll see. I, I am always amazed, and, and maybe I shouldn't be as an announcer, but I am always amazed at the I'll say visceral reactions that people have to to announcers. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some that are really loved and some that are really despised who are really good at their craft, but for whatever reason, they lack the connection with the audience. Like a polarizing effect? Uh, well, I'll give you an example of my mind is Joe Buck. Joe Buck. That's what I was jo thinking. Joe Buck is <laughs> is very good at play-by-play, -play. but for whatever reason, there's a a giant swath of people that do not like him, Yeah, that just feel a disconnect there. And, boy, that's the way that Notre Dame Nation seems to be with Flutie is, and, and I can't say because I don't watch the telecast. I'm doing other things. Now, this year I'll be watching the telecast because my role – will change somewhat in that I won't be in the press box. I will be there at for the pregame show, and then I will golf cart back to WNDU to watch the game and be able to do my postgame show. Mm. From the uh, from the same spot as the pregame? No, from the studios. From the studios? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the press box rules this year for media are uh, vastly different, and I think we covered that a couple episodes ago. 
Uh, but the fact of the matter is there's going to be very few people, and I mean few, like maybe 18 of the locals and the beat writers, etc., uh, who will be there for the game, which is fine because they're making all the the press conferences on Zoom and anyway, so you can access them from your living room if you want. I can see the game on TV. It's fine. Okay. Uh, there's been some talk in the Big Ten uh, camp. <laughs> well, the President of the United States decided to dial up the Commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, yesterday, trying to urge him to get back on the field as much, as soon as possible. Of course, that takes the action of the Big Ten presidents and chancellors. And yesterday, Mitch Daniels, the president of Purdue University, uh, came out with a statement that basically said, uh, you know, the reasons for the Big Ten deciding not to play football have not changed all that much right now. And until they get word from medical experts that show, okay, we think it's safe for people to play, etc., that they're not going to change their tune. Now, that's what he says. There are other rumors going about that the Big Ten may try to vote to start October 10th. That was started by Dan Patrick cited that last night on Twitter. Uh, there was the Thanksgiving Day rumor that we put out there on the last episode of the Act. I think people want to see Big Ten football, and they want to see it in the fall. I think... If I had to place a bet right now, I'd say that I think it will start at some point, but I don't know when. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing with college football this year is it's whacked. I try to I try to back up as best I can and get it down to the 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 very basics. What is a Mitch Daniels seeing and hearing that a Brian Kelly or a Jack Swarbrook isn't seeing or hearing, and they're playing. We're in the same state. We're playing other teams. It, it's different medical experts for these different conferences. Yeah. And the medical opinions, and, and you're right. Here You used a very good example right there. You've got two teams who are in the same state, literally two hours apart. What's different for Purdue than it is for Notre Dame? Now, to be fair, they're not the only ones making the decisions. Right. It's a collaborative decision within the conferences, and Notre Dame is in a conference that is primarily in the southeast, and Purdue is in a conference that is obviously primarily in the Midwest. And you've got different political influences in those areas as well. So... I don't know. The president, President Trump, felt like his conversation with Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, was very productive. But I don't know if that's going to move the needle or not. Okay. Let's segue into baseball. Good night for the Cubs last night, although it was a long night, much longer than it needed to be. Cubs jumped out to a 6-1 lead on Pittsburgh. Ian Happ and Kyle Schwarber had belted home runs. John Lester was on the mound. It looked like... Things were in cruise control, and in about five swings of the bat, all of a sudden the Pittsburgh Pirates 
uh, had four runs on the board. They tied it up in the eighth off Dan Winkler, sent the game to extra innings, and in extra innings, the Cubs beat the Pirates 8-7 to on a half-RBI single. You could make the case that Ian Happ right now is the MVP for this Cubs team in 2020, and there are some people that want to try to include him in the National League MVP discussion, which I find very interesting considering that Ian Happ last year was in the minors for most of the season because he couldn't get his swing together. Well, he's got it together now. He's hitting the ball well to all fields. And Hap was the hero last night. Cubs still have a three-game lead over St. Louis in the National League Central. Cardinals absolutely pummeled the Reds last night, 16-1. to As for the White Sox, they are now tied for first in the AL Central. They lost a two-run lead last night and lost the ball game in Minnesota 3-2. Meanwhile, Cleveland defeated Kansas City. So it's the White Sox and Cleveland a game and a half ahead of Minnesota in the AL Central. I think all three of those teams will wind up making the playoffs. Uh, the American League playoff situation, here you have the Tigers who've won six in a row. They're above five hundred now, and they are still out of the playoffs. In the National League, somebody's going to get in the playoffs more than likely with a record below five hundred. It just shows that the American League teams are right now are playing better than the National League because the reason for the record discrepancy is the interleague play between the two leagues, and the AL is pummeling the NL in most circumstances. Mm. You've been uh, watching NBA at all? I, I seem to be catching quite a few games these days. Well, you, you've been watching more than I have. Yeah. I, I have not watched any NBA. I kind of followed along on Twitter to just make sure I'm aware of what's going on so when I come here in the morning, I can give the scores. Last night, Denver eliminated Utah with a ninety, or excuse me, an eighty to seventy-eight win. A really low-scoring game. You could tell that uh, the defenses came out in Game Seven of that series because the big scoring that we had seen from Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell that was gone. Nikola Jokic had a good night last night for Denver. He scored thirty, and quite frankly, he had been their star most of the season. So it was time for him to emerge. And he did. Oklahoma City and Houston play a seventh game tonight. The other big story from the NBA last night was the fact that Boston took a 2-0 lead on Toronto. The Raptors had been blitzed in game one. And Nick Nurse came out and really made some defensive adjustments last night. And it worked until the fourth quarter when Marcus Smart reigned home five straight three-pointers for the Celtics. And all of a sudden, the Celtics had the lead, and they win game two, and they're up two games to none. Do you know the last time the Celtics won six straight playoff games to start the playoffs? Been a while? 1986. They had a fellow by the name of Larry Bird on the team. Perhaps you've heard of him. I may have to Google that. He was joined by the likes of Kevin McHale, the Chief Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge, you know... Those Celtic teams. <laughs> very good, very good. Hey, have you have you noticed more family showing up on NBA stuff now that maybe other teams are leaving? With the first round done, they allowed some families into the bubble. There was a very touching video the other day. Fred Van Fleet plays for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. And his kids got to see him for the first time in... A, a while. A couple of months, probably. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was a great, great.
great little reunion that they had. So yes, some of the families are are being allowed in now that the uh, the ranks in the bubble have thinned somewhat. We're down to what uh, I think eight teams overall in the uh, is it eight teams? Yeah, I think so. Eight teams. Okay. Couple more headlines: hockey and tennis, and we'll wrap it up. Well, hockey, Philadelphia and Vancouver picked up wins last night. Philly uh, beat the Islanders, but they still trail that series three games to two. Vancouver beat Vegas. They still trail that series three games to two. Uh, The big surprise in hockey happened when Boston, which uh, had been the number one team in the East prior to the pandemic, uh, was eliminated by Tampa Bay in just five games. And so the Lightning find themselves sitting there waiting for the Eastern Conference playoffs to resume and then uh, tennis last night Serena Williams no problem at the U.S. Open but her sister Venus losing at the U.S. Open in the first round for the first time in her 22-year career and you wonder if um, Venus is setting right now in the east because uh, she's got to be up around uh, I think she's close to 40 years old and that's that's fairly aged for a professional tennis player. How old is Venus Williams? Venus Williams is 40 years old. Yep. So it might be just about time for her to hang up the racket and and what a career she's had as well as her sister Serena. Uh, The U.S. Open is going to be another event. It just misses the vibe. Those crowds in New York that would come out and they'd roar and the late night matches uh, that just brought such electricity and excitement to tennis. It's just, it's not the same. You know, players, it, it always sounds cliche when they say, oh, we, you know, we thrive off the fans. We, you know, we need their energy and things like that. And then you see when the fans aren't around and you kind of realize, yeah, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not the same without people in the stands. And especially at an event like tennis, which is so quiet anyway while it's being played. And then those electric points happen and there's just, there's no buzz there. Somebody mentioned that with the golf the other day. You know, when uh, Dustin Johnson and John Rahm hit those putts, normally there would be this electric roar from the crowd. And there just wasn't anything there. Hey, let me ask you this. I can't remember where you'd land on it. Uh, where are you at with fantasy football? Do you participate? I do not. Uh, I see nothing wrong with it. I know a lot of people who play it. I just, football season is so busy for me, Corey. Right. I just don't have the time to sit there and invest and pour over the things. Because if I'm going to do it, I want to win. Right. And I, I want to compete and I want to throw myself into it. I played fantasy baseball for two or three years around here in a league that we had. and uh, But baseball season's different for me because I do have the time <laughs> during the summer to invest. Yeah, I don't now. Uh, you know, Notre Dame football starts in 10 days. I'm on that pregame show. We've got game of the week. By the way, it's Adams and Riley this Friday night. Uh, we didn't touch on high school football. I'm just going to throw a couple nuggets your way. Here. Sure, bring them okay? out. So we've got Plymouth and Warsaw playing Friday night. This is a great rivalry. They will meet Corey for the 101st time this Friday night at the Rock Pile in Plymouth. 
Plymouth has won six straight in the series. They started playing this rivalry back in 1924, and they have played every year since, and a couple of times during the war years between 41 and 45. So you've got that rivalry going on. Adams and Riley is a good rivalry. I mean, I believe this will be something like the 75th or 77th meeting between those two schools, and that dates back to 1941. Goshen and Mishawaka started playing in 1909. Now, they haven't played in 10 years, but that rivalry renews this weekend. And then you've got a pretty good game at TCU Freed Field. A team by the name of Indianapolis Cathedral, ranked number one in Class 5A, rolls into Freed Field to take on Corey Yeoman and the Kingsman. So we'll see how that one unfolds. And Elkhart... And I'm still getting used to just saying Elkhart and not Central or Memorial. Elkhart goes down and plays Columbus East. Now, a lot of people don't know this about Columbus East, but over the last decade, there is no team in Indiana high school that has won more football games than Columbus East. Oh, my. And so Josh Shattuck and the Lions fighting off an awfully big challenge to go down and take on Columbus East on the road Friday night. So that should be a fun one to keep an eye on as well. I drove uh, past practice at Northwood last night. They playing this weekend? Uh, Northwood has a big game with Concord to start the Northern Lakes Conference season. That's always a, a good matchup, and it should be a very physical matchup at Andrews Field. Of course, we'll talk about all these matchups in depth on Friday when we give you your high school preview. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can go back into the archives and check uh, out uh, other podcasts and interviews with uh, athletes and coaches. You can leave us a a comment if you'd like. Chuck, you're on Twitter. I am at 46 Sports. By the way, any reaction to Paul McCartney talk on Monday? Not so much, but uh, a little reaction to, hey, guys, don't hang up the headphones just yet. That was nice of somebody to say. There's, there's a handful of those. Okay. Very right? good. Until next time, Yak fans. Oogalooga, Ben Ogilvy. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.